Good evening, my relatives. Tonight is September 22nd, Tuesday. This will be my third podcast of my Spotify platform. It's an honor to be here. I just want to touch base with you, say some prayers, share some knowledge about the cult of people. Uh, and all good things when we start our ceremonies, we always start with the prayer. So, God should I will contact them. I said to watch over our prayers, watch over our relatives tonight. Bless them in all things that they do. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. Keep them COVID free. Look to each other for prayer and strength and guidance as we stand like the buffalo who goes head first into the storm. And keep us on our path to spiritual enlightenment. A lot of people seek that awakening. Please give them that awakening and help them to stay strong and gather them together in prayer. So today is Tuesday, like I said. I'm doing this podcast and I've been excited because right now I'm looking at you know, monetization of this. It's not about the monetization. It's about getting the podcast and getting the message out there. <clears throat> so... I did a Facebook live feed earlier, and I spoke on the lost lands of our people. You know, for hundreds of years, hundred and let me go back and rephrase that. For almost over a hundred and fifty years, our people have been struggling. Hundred and fifty-four years, to be exact. The native people have been forgotten. We are the ones who have fallen between the cracks because we have won one Pyrrhic victory, which was the Battle of the Bighorn. A Pyrrhic victory is a short-lived victory in which a lot of people are going to suffer thereafter. And so this one victory that our tribal people, our, our, our prestigious, honorable Lakota people of the plains had won. Battle of 1876, Little Bighorn, the Battle of Greasy Grass is something that our people are still suffering from today. Now, I'm a, I'm a federally enrolled and recognized tribal member of the Oglala Sioux tribe. I don't like the word Sioux, so I'm going to say Oglala Lakota, Ocheti Shakoni, Tituwa Nation. And so we have a long, a long road ahead of us. As an indigenous people, if we want to change history, if we want to rewrite history and make it a more respectable and more readable dialogue that the future seven generations can look to and learn from and model their daily lives in a manner in which simple living, simple truths, the seven Lakota values is one of them. So when I spoke about the lost lands and I sit and think about the... Supreme Court Justice who had just took her path, took her final trip to the spiritual plane, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and so the country is in mourning. Uh, she is lying in state. So today I want to thank the people who come to listen to the prayer, to the message, to the knowledge and the wisdom that I'm trying to share with you guys. You know, over 164 years ago, our tribe had been trying to protect, let me say this, protect the outside encroachment of the 
Western civilization, the white man and the European who came to this country through manifest destiny looking for gold when gold was found in California and then in the Black Hills. So our people have always known that that yellow rock, that yellow nugget, that crazy, crazy drag you make the crazy stuff would do that to an individual because it was called the fool's gold. And what it meant was that it made a person crazy. And so our ancestors knew a long time ago that this gold just lay among the creeks, um, among the riverbeds, among the mountains of the Black Hills. And we protected these sacred places because we knew that somebody that found those and stumbled onto those was going to have a new identity, a new sickness, sickness of the mind, sickness of the gold, the greed. So I want to share that message on because today we should revisit everything to become aware, to become educated. As this country moves forward into the next presidential election, we're starting to think about all the things that are going to come to pass and all the things that have not happened. Well, we are living in the shadow of Wounded Knee. So after 150 years of broken promises, the Ogallala Lakota people of the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota are nurturing their tribal customs, language, and beliefs, the ceremonies. A rare, intimate portrait shows their resistance in the face of hardship. For our people have endured hardship. We have retained our language. We have retained our sacred star knowledge. We have retained our ceremonies. But yet, we continue to live in poverty. When I say poverty, I mean 88% unemployment. Alcohol and drugs are the norm. Almost every historical atrocity has a geographically symbolic core. A place whose name conjures up the trauma of a whole people. Auschwitz, Robben Island, Nanjing. For the Oglala Lakota of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, that place is a site near Wounded Knee Creek, 16 miles north northeast of the town of Pine Ridge. From a distance, the hill is unremarkable. Another picturesque tree spotted mound in the creased prairie. But here at the mass grave of all those who were killed on a winter morning more than a century ago, it's easy to believe that certain energies, acts of tremendous violence, and a transcendent love hang in the air forever and possess a forever half-life. So today our people are living in that shadow of historical trauma. We have an annual income, an annual per capita income on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation of $9,728. 48% lot of these jobs are poverty. That's, that's the 48.3 is the national norm in the United States. And so we think about as a, a culta, the message I want to share and, and educate is that this has happened at a time when our livelihood was, everything was healthy, everything was in balance. And so when we have this beautiful story that is unfolding in American history, and then we have to look back and honor Native American history. I have a quote from Sitting Bull that says, When I was a boy, the Sioux owned the world. The sun rose and set in their lands. They sent 10,000 horsemen to battle. Where are the warriors today? Who slew them? 
Where are our lands? Who owns them? Circa. Circulated by sitting to 1831 to 1890. And so today is a beautiful day. I want to share the message, those teachings, those, the, the voice is still there. I would love to say that today is a beautiful day because now we start to think about all the things that we want to change in American history if we want to move forward as American people. So my relatives, I'm going to say that today is a beautiful day. So thinking about all the things that's happening out there in this country, we need to be aware of the dynamics of everything. So I don't like to sit here and, and, and pipe steam or, or blow wind. And what I would like to do is share the message that as a spiritual person, I see my people struggle. And I see myself being pushed to rise up above and step forward and become a leader of this whole movement, of this whole awakening. And I am just one individual and I sit here and think, there's, there's nothing I can do that can save my people because my people do not want to be saved. When I sit and think about all the drugs and all the alcohol that's being pushed and sold on that reservation, it's sad because we live in an 88% unemployment rate, but yet all the drugs are on an Indian reservation. That's the most, you know, we all know what's going on. We all know who's doing what. And yet, that nepotism still holds true when we protect our family members from federal indictments. It's who you know, not what you know. And so today, in order for us as a Native individual to heal, we have to heal ourselves. We have to heal the man. It's no longer kill the Indian and save the man. It's always to heal that individual being that is struggling to survive in a world that has madly gone insane. So we live in two worlds and we try to balance those worlds. I grew up the same. I grew up and I can relate to what these youngsters are going through today because I see my life in their path. I see my past life, my existence of all the things that I was doing growing up, putting food on the table, providing for five families, selling drugs on that reservation and living and, and just being stressed out. And, and when I finally did get indicted by the United States federal government, being arrested and taken to jail and how I slept for two days straight because I was so overwhelmed with the stress that I actually was glad to be arrested. <laughs> that was a big stress release on my behalf. And so I know how to deal with money. I know how to deal with people. I know how to look to the future. I know how to affect, I know how to affect change. I know what it takes to be an individual who is healthy, who wants to do good. But yet, my past life, my past experiences, my drug use, my drug abuse put me where I'm at today. I'm paralyzed. I can barely walk. I have atrophy on one leg and I have somewhat of a somewhat movement on the other, but yet my mind and my body is two different things at the time because I'm trying to bring that balance through prayer. I'm also trying to enlighten and share with others the path that I'm on. It's not an easy path because I wake up unhappy sometimes because I'm gaining weight. I don't feel happy with myself. I want to run back to the reservation and do drugs, but I'm still staying strong and holding my course because I know in my mind if I do that, I will be back in prison, I will be in jail, I will be an evil person that I had become. So being grounded in prayer is priority. It's, it's the path that was given to me by the ancestors. My girlfriend always tells me it's not your life to live anymore. You are living on Tungashila's time. And I actually am because 
of all the times I've been sick. I've been in the hospital. I probably could have died, but I'm still here today fighting because I want to see my grandchildren grow up. I want to give them an existence, a legacy that I can leave behind. And working and writing these books and doing these podcasts and creating a, a healthy environment for myself, my significant other, and my children, and my grandchildren, to instill in them these learned behaviors that I have been learning since I become paralyzed. It's not easy. It's a hard road to follow, but yet I'm still making that daily trudge to the bathroom, trudge to the shower. You know, I could be doing more. I can be more proactive in my walk, but yet sometimes I just feel like giving up. But yet when I think about all the things I'm going to lose when I die and give up and return to the spirit world, I'm going to miss this companionship. This camaraderie of brothers who've been in prison who are at war with the United States government. The brothers who have been in prison. And it was a rite of passage for all Native Americans as we were growing up. We had to fight with the police officers. We had to be going against the grain. An honor for us to say that we are an honorable warrior. And it was not a way to live. So we have a lot of Native Americans who are felons out there that do not vote, that cannot vote, and who will not vote because they choose to be at war with the government. Do we have to be that way? I don't think so. I think that we can get educated and we can uplift our hearts and elevate our minds and become a better individual to help our people. But then you got to be faced with the fact that what if your people do not want to be helped? What if your people just want to live in that meaning, meaningless existence where their entitlements are slowly dwindling each month? The government money that was promised is slowly disappearing because of the nepotism and the corruption on that reservation. We have tribal members who are having tribal council members that are giving themselves this hazard pay for a Zoom meeting, that's not fair because these people are paying themselves an exorbitant rate to go and have a meeting, which is unfair to the other people of our reservation, which is unfair to all tribal members because that billion dollars of money that's coming from the tribal government for this bailout, it's probably already spent. So when I say, when I shared earlier in my Facebook prayer that that 13, that 11 point, $11.5 billion that's in federal trust. When I explained that our people, our Native Americans can take the interest and then go and create renewable energy, create resources that will sustain us, that we don't have to depend on the government. If we look at wind farms and solar farms, then we can actually create, we can buy our land back from the United States government in a short time, within 10 years. I'm telling you that I researched it and I looked at it. At the interest rate, 17, whatever, 17.5% of the interest rate of you know, with this money's growing in interest, that's not a lot. But then you think about the things that the Native people as a strong mind, a smart person. My father always told me, you got to learn to get educated, my boy, and fight fire with fire. And so I started thinking, what am I going to do to fight fire with fire? Am I going out there and set the prairie on fire? <laughs> At that time, I was young and naive, and I didn't really think in that enlightenment of my father where he was trying to teach me. But yet my father had his own struggles and his own addictions, his own battle cry. Vietnam veteran, you know, growing up in the system, being abused, abandoned, and forgotten and neglected. And yet that seems to be the norm today on that Indian reservation out there we call Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. So my challenge to all my people is why do we choose to be the norm? Why don't we rise above? Why don't we just for once in our life be that 3% that want to be educated, that want to be considered you're traditional. You pray, but you're also educated. You're not an apple no more. You're an educated individual who can have the ability to help your people by looking to the future. After all, it's not about me. It's about my children's children. 
and their children. Because when I'm gone, I want to be left. I want to be known for somebody who has left and blazed the trail for others to follow. The legacy that I want to leave behind is something that is good and memorable. And people can look and think and, and laugh and feel good and have a happy feeling in their stomach. But please don't remember me for the person that I used to be. The evil, misleading, misguided, mis this anger, angered individual who was mad at the world. Who didn't trust nobody. Who had a lot of anger in his heart. Who hurt a lot of people. Don't remember me for that because that's not who I am. I'm trying to become a better person by living daily, walking in this red day. I'm trying to walk in a good day. I'm trying to walk in the red way. I'm trying to share my philosophy and my teachings and my knowledge that was handed down to oral history from my great, from my parents to my grandparents to my great-grandparents all the way up to Crazy Horse. The legacy and the footprints that he left behind are big shoes to follow, big moccasins to follow. So my relatives, I want to say something. Today is a beautiful day. This is just something that I wanted to share with you guys because if you sit and think, all around the world we got chaos. We got fires in the West Coast. We got floods and hurricanes in the East. We're still waiting for something to pop up in the Midwest because something is going to happen. Believe me and trust me. I see the polar ice caps that have melted, and I see them coming over the point where it's going to probably be Old Faithful. That, that volcano, we have a lot of seismic activity on Mother Earth right now that we don't pay attention to because we're so busy watching COVID. It's called misdirection, my relative. But I'm honored and blessed to be here on this life and, and, and to live this, this sacred breath of life called Onia. That Onia is that inhale. Whenever you inhale and you exhale, that is that part where it crosses that you are alive and you're able to say that you are part of the sacred breath of life. And so for my relatives to see and see the transformation of a handicapped individual who is turning his life around because he wants to be a better person for his children and his grandchildren and his significant other in his life to be somebody, to live and die in a good way, to have a good life, to live a good, healthy life. Not to be behind the eight ball, but not to be barring from Peter to pay Paul, but from actually paying it forward, praying it forward and paying it forward. So my message I want to leave behind for the seven generations to come is that I've tried my best. I'm only one person. I'm an individual who looks at myself as my ancestor. Crazy Horse was a very, very gifted person, a very spiritual person, a very honorable person who led the people. But then in the end, his people turned their back on him, and they turned against him, and then they ostracized him and looked at him because he was doing only what he thought was right for his people, fighting against the expansion of America called Manifest Destiny. And so when he was killed by his own relatives with the sword and bayonet in his, in his back, they gave him laudanum, which kept his spirit here from traveling on to the next generation, to the next platform. So his spirit is still here with us and with our people. And it is his voice that I hear and that I see and his vision and his, his picture that I see night and day when I dream. I hear his voice. And it makes me cry because I hear him say, I, I, I'm, when, you are at your, when you are happy, and I see that glimmer and that happiness in your eyes, and I know that I am happy because I am with you, and we are one. And it's weird because people always say that he's an old spirit, and that you are an old spirit, and that we walk together. It's the fact that he protects and watches over me because my bloodline is his bloodline, and I am descended of him.
So the good thing that I have to share with all my relatives is that I'm a humble person. I'm not boisting and not being big-headed or arrogant. I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm below you and I'm beneath you. And I'm just as equal as the birds and the bees, the flowers and the trees, the plants, the buffalo, the deer, the antelope, the squirrel that runs across my fence at night looking for a little bite to eat. That's my relative. I want to put food out and feed it. So there is a connection. Everything is connected. Once we realize that as a spiritual being, that we have that connection to source and that we're all connected, then maybe humanity will finally see the turning point. We need to awaken and gather each other and, and bring each other together together in prayer. I hope my words were encouraging and inspiring and that I was able to leave a little bit of my knowledge behind through my eyes. Through my ancestors' eyes, I see a better tomorrow. But we have not yet become, we have not yet hit that nine days of darkness, but we will be soon. I'm telling you that because I can see it. I can feel it. And so once that nine days of darkness comes, then it's time to start to heal and bring the people together. Because it is the Rainbow Nation that's going to help us. We are the Rainbow Nation. So I thank you, relatives, one spirit, one heart, one mind, one, one nation, spirit nation. So in closing, I want to say closing prayer to Gashia, Grandfather, watch over us, and thank you for allowing me to share this words of wisdom and spirit, spread the knowledge, the teachings of my ancestor, in hopes of helping others to find that direction and that path in their life and that purpose. So thank you to Gashia, watch over my family, watch over my children, watch over my significant other, make her healthy, keep her safe from COVID-19 as she works as an essential worker in that environment. Help my relatives, keep my dog safe. I love my animals, I love my pets like my own children. Pray for my family, my an my, my ancestors, my in-laws, my the relatives. A long time ago, I was told that my ancestors and my significant other, Denise's ancestors, brought our people, brought us together. A long time ago, the Hopi prophecy, <laughs> the eagle and the condor nation. It's powerful. So to think about something that happened a long time ago and to be here today, you are important. You are an important part of this cycle of life and this part of the story that is unfolding before our eyes. We are all part of that. So, Tunkashila, Grandfather, thank you for these wonderful things that you're showing us and gifting me and allowing me to speak through my words the message that you share and hold for the people. So, we look to the future of our generations to come. And may we all walk as one. Have a good night, my relatives.